You're listening to the Max Level Podcast for January 21st, 2019. On today's show, Brian goes in-depth with Vayne and Y2K, a postmodern RPG. The crew then talks about more Activision, EA canceling a Star Wars game, the Elder Scrolls Online expansion announcement, Trails of Cold Steel 3, and a new Power Rangers game. Plus, official predictions on who we think is coming this year and next year to Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. All this in the usual segments on today's episode of the Max Level Podcast. On with the show. So we're actually recording this a day early. We're recording this on Friday, January 18th. We normally record these on Saturday, so we would normally be recording on January 19th. But there is a quote unquote snowpocalypse coming to the uh, the Midwest, specifically targeting my area here in Ohio. They're saying we could get anywhere from like 10 up to like 30 freaking inches of snow, depending on the way the storm comes in and how it's going to hit. And I hope it stays there because it is supposed to push out towards Long Island and I don't want to shovel. Yeah, they were saying, you. well, I don't think you're going to get nearly as much, but no, up to three, but still, it's I don't yeah. want three inches. No, well, try putting a zero on that and see what you can do. But yes, uh, <laughs> <laughs> 0.03. But uh, so we're recording a day early and we may miss some things that actually happen on Friday night. So just be warned that if something major happens, we may not be talking about it in the episode today, but we'll cover it next week. You go to the YouTube and you chide us in the comments like, how dare you miss it? Yeah, you let us know. Well, you if you're yeah, well, you can go to one of our videos and let us know because uh, people on YouTube won't actually hear this part because this is the the portions that are only exclusive on uh, on iTunes. No, you still go to our YouTube. Yeah, that's and fine. You just destroy us. Good way to uh, good way to interact with us is through the YouTube comments. But I'm glad that we waited a little bit because we're actually it's, it's about 3 p.m. on uh, on Friday afternoon. But a something I don't have in the news report that I just want to mention real quick. Uh, Angry video game nerd one and two deluxe has been announced for consoles. So that's kind of neat. Okay. That is the uh, angry video game nerd adventures and Such angry video game nerd to assimilation. Both games that are currently available on Steam are coming to consoles as one and two deluxe. Uh, no actual consoles were officially announced, but uh, I think that's kind of neat. So. That's the kind of stuff and I'm going to keep the news websites fun, open fun games incredibly, incredibly hard on purpose. Of course, absolutely. Uh, I'm going to keep the news sites open so that way if something happens, I'm going to keep them on refresh while we record. So if something does pop up, we can kind of stick it in the episode. But like I said, we're recording a little early, so it's kind of unconventional how we're doing things. But if you didn't know, this is Max Level, a video game podcast found right here at Level Down Games, dedicated to covering this crazy and ever changing industry where we bring you the latest information you need to know, discuss our adventures through current and sometimes older games and have some fun discussions. I'm Brian, joined as always by the Resident Evil himself. It's Frank. Stop. <laughs> Special shout out to Dance with the Dead for allowing us to use their music for our videos. Everyone absolutely needs to go check these guys out and support their music. They can be found on Bandcamp, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, pretty much everywhere. Check them out. You will not be disappointed. And before we forget, Max Level and Level Down Games is entirely self-funded as a passion project. If you'd like to see it continue to go on something even bigger, consider supporting us through one or all of the affiliate links listed in the description of the show. It would mean the absolute world to us. Just like it would mean the absolute world to us if you want to head over to iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Head on over there, leave us a rating, leave us a review. Those ratings and reviews, the five stars, the four stars, the three stars, 
whatever Just you think, <laughs> whatever you think we deserve, definitely help us climb the charts in terms of search results. That way, when someone's looking for a new gaming podcast to listen to, maybe you're tired of, well, you're not tired of listening to, but maybe, maybe you want something besides the Easy Allies podcast. Maybe you want something besides the Kind of Funny Games cast, or maybe you want something besides Kotaku Split Screen, the Gymquisition. You want something different. That's where you the max the level premier, podcast most excellent and exquisite level down games max well, level podcast premier, exquisite sure max level podcast check us out if you don't already in if you're hearing this you already are so i don't even know what i'm saying but Thank you, uh and we love you yeah absolutely so we continue to appreciate your support and uh the more people that we can get listening the obviously the the bigger our footprint grows in the industry and that's awesome but I think it's time that we jump into a little campaign games for this week. And Frank, you are greatly disappointing me. To be fair, I played a game that I talked about to death. I've, I've been playing a lot of online with some friends from work of Smash Brothers. I don't want to bore everybody with it. So I'm just going to have to defer to Brian, unfortunately, this week. I understand. And it is just the two of us. So we don't have Sean here to talk about his adventures through Hyrule. Or we actually did play a game together over the past week, but we're actually going to save it to the next time he's on the show. So that way he can kind of go in depth on that. So I guess I'm going to go ahead. Huh? Twister. Like long way down. Long way down. I don't think. Um, remember the movie? The Goo Goo Dolls singing the long way down from Twister. Dude, did you like that movie Twister? It's a great movie. I actually think it's an so American too. Classic. I actually think so too, and I don't know if you're being sarcastic or not, but I no, actually no, really it, enjoy it really that movie. Is. I know my individual gag of me picking up the, the dirt, but this is an audio podcast, so what's the point? <laughs> I really do enjoy that movie, though. It is one of my favorites from the '90s, and and the soundtrack was stellar. But I'll go ahead and talk about two games that I've played this week. The first one I'm going to jump into is one that I put up a review for on our website, leveldowngames.com. The video review is also up for our YouTube channel. And that is Vane. Now, I actually watched that. That was a damn good video you put together, Brian. Thank you. But what did you actually think of the, like the actual I review itself? Sold, I, don't, I don't think I'm sold on the game. Okay, so it it is definitely rough. Like it's definitely a rough game, and I started it and finished it within the same day for the most part. Now I did, as I mentioned in the review, I did have to literally set the controller down at one point and walk away because I was so frustrated with how some of the mechanics were working and just how bad the camera is, dude. There's, so that's my biggest complaint with Vane is that it's, it's kind of like that journey or eco shadow, the Colossus type of an experience where for the most part, you're just walking around. And or or in the beginning of the game, flying around because you start out playing as the bird and you don't play as the bird the entire time. You are switching between a bird and a child, which I wasn't aware of, but that's fine. It's a cool mechanic. It's and it's cool how you switch back and forth. But you start out as a bird. And when you get in, you you know, you're in this desert that we saw in the trailers and it's a vast open desert, very desolate, very isolated. It's cool looking. And the graphical style that they chose to, to utilize for the game, it, it fit and it was well done. I expected a lot of that. I wasn't prepared for a lot of the technical issues and the bugs that the game actually had, though. So you get in, you're doing these things, you're you're perching up on veins, you're trying to get all these birds to go to this one central location in the desert. And by doing that, you free like this orb, so to speak, and this orb falls down and it shatters into dust. And that's how you turn back and forth. Well, that's how you turn into a, a child. So the bird flies into this magic dust or gold dust or whatever, not Dustin Rhodes, but this lands in this gold dust and he turns into a child. 
That's crazy. It's actually the exact opposite of how it works in real life, where if you do enough dust, you like turn into an animal. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Don't do drugs, kids. Don't do drugs. Uh, to turn back into a bird, you literally just have to jump off of a high place and your character turns back into a bird. Like there's it's Also, not- that's how it works in real life. Totally try that at home. Uh, well, I wouldn't recommend that either. But once you turn into a child, the mechanics as the bird work a lot better than the mechanics as the child. So when you're flying around, it it feels intuitive. It feels nice. It feels fluid and things just work. The sense of speed, the sense of motion that you're getting as, as being a bird, it's cool. But when you're as the kid, you start noticing that the terrain isn't nearly as connected as it should be. Things things are very shaky. The camera. (laughs) Well, exactly. The camera gets really wonky. Uh, It gets stuck on the walls. It gets stuck underground. Your character as a kid, when he's walking upstairs or she, they don't really give you a gender here for the character. But when they're walking upstairs, they disappear into the stairs. They can disappear behind the walls. Like think the collision detection just isn't strong. It's may not even be there at all at certain points. So the reason I gave it a five, five out of 10 is because of the fact of how many issues this game actually had. And it's a short game in and of itself. So the first time through, because of how frustrating it is and because of there's no absolutely no hints at all. So when they sent these when they sent these out for reviewers like myself and all these other people that put up reviews on day one, we had no help. And (laughs) they the day before they the day before they actually released the game, they sent us another email saying, hey, we just put out a patch should have addressed a lot of the issues I know you guys are having. Plus, here's a little helpful hint guide that to give you're stuck. And, (laughs) And I mean. Would have been nice to have originally, but the game itself doesn't really point you in any direction. There's no hints at all for you to be following. Yeah. And and that's well, that's cool. And I like being able to figure things out on my own. I like being able to, you know, overcome these obstacles and really feel accomplished while playing a game when it's a frustrating enough game as it is. And you can literally spend an hour walking in the in the portion of the game I'm talking about, it's the third area. You're with a bunch of other kids and you're pushing a ball. And you, you may have saw it in the review that like there's one little mm-hmm. section where they're like they're going over a bridge and the bridge is being formed as the ball goes over it. But before you get to that point, you're like literally pushing it through this weird looking wasteland of an area. And there's no way to know where you need to go. So you're pushing it around and these kids are helping you. And sometimes they just stop on their own accord. Like there's nothing keeping them. there helping you. So they'll push when they want to push what they don't want to push. They just stand there and look stupid. You can literally wander around this area for an hour or what feels like an hour or an hour and a half trying to figure out where to go. And all the while, you know, the camera keeps getting stuck. Your characters keep flipping out. Like it's, it's, it's a rough game that, had it just been more technically sound, I think this would have been an interesting game because Journey is not a long game either. I mean, these, you know, Journey, which is arguably a 10 out of 10, you can do short four or five hour experiences and have them be stellar experiences with a game. But when they have so many technical issues wrong with them that you you just have to really look at things into perspective and say, wow, OK, what would have happened had this game been longer? Or what would have happened had this game been a bigger scope? Is this I don't game think it could have been. Though? Do you Absolutely. Think that, do you think, Absolutely do you think, it is. If, if the, with, with the right updates, could they make the, could they bump the score up? Uh, well, I probably will never update the score. We'll never. But, yeah, I mean, but, just, but someone coming in knew if they were going to do yeah. their own review after the game came out. I could easily see this maybe being a seven at, at best. Okay. A seven at best. 
Fair. I don't I don't think it could ever be above a seven, even with even if they fix the technical issues, just because of the the bare bones premise of the game and how shallow it is in the middle. Like of those four or five hours, it's going to take you to play the game for your first time. Two of those hours are going to be figuring out where to go with a stupid ball and the kids in the middle of the game. So <laughs> the, the, the game is relatively short after you already know everything and know where to go and know exactly how to do things. You could breeze through a second playthrough in less than two hours. This game is very, very small. Um, but but the the joy of the game to what little joy there is for Vane at the time is flying around as a bird and trying to piece together this. Intri- it is an interesting story. It's intriguing what the and, and there's no dialogue. So there's no spoken text or you can't speak text, but there's no spoken dialogue and there's no actual text on the screen. So it's all done through a visual storytelling and the way that they interact with one another, which is cool. I like that. Uh, one of one of my favorite games from back in, I think, 2016, Virginia did the same thing, which if you haven't played that yet. You absolutely need to play Virginia. That game is fantastic. Uh, I put up a review. There's a, a written review up on the Games.com for that one, too. I think that one, which, you know, forego putting dialogue in their game as well, did it really well here. They could have maybe benefited from some text just to give a little bit of con like context of what was going on, because it is kind of hard to understand. And you really do have to use some creative thinking and pay really attention and try to come up with your own theories of what's happening. <laughs> so you would say it was a bird brained idea to not give us any context. Yeah. For the most part, I would, I would, I would say that. Yeah. Uh, so go check out the video review. If you haven't seen it yet, it's on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash level down games, or you can read the text review, which also does have the video review embedded in it. That's over on our website, level games.com. The now normally I'd only talk about one game, but since Frank didn't really talk about anything else and because we don't have a third share this week, I'll go ahead and mention another game that I've been playing this week for a review that I wanted to have up this week. But because we're recording early and because I ran into a bunch of other things and shout out to all of our friends across the industry at our office studios, publishers, developers, we got a lot of review codes this week. So I've been kind of just kind of soaking in and figuring out exactly what I can do and how I can do things best and trying to manage my time as best as I possibly can. But I've been spending a lot of time with Y2K, a postmodern RPG, a game, Frank, I know you're interested in. I actually asked if you had played it because I knew you said you were going to buy it, but I know you didn't have a chance to yet. Not yet, but I definitely have it on my radar. I have the money set aside, as you know, so it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, the only thing I'm going to tell you to do is potentially wait to buy it or maybe just look into it and see if you still want to buy it at all. Because it okay, isn't well now, now, now I want to hear what you're going to say about it. It, is, uh, it isn't nearly as good as I wanted it to be. So it does have its own set of issues as well. Like, you know, there's there's not nearly as many technical issues as Vane has, but there's still a, a fair amount of technical issues that the game poses. But it's fairly shallow and it's fairly simplistic in which RPGs typically aren't simplistic unless they're. I don't know. There's a couple that probably are, but there's usually more in-depth mechanics involved and and Y2K doesn't have that. And it just it's it's all the same thing. So like you're wandering around, you do one thing, you hit a battle and then you go find something and then you go progress back to your town and you go back out. And I don't know, man, I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed. So I think I think it's. You might actually enjoy this more than me. I'll say that much right now. You might actually enjoy this more than me because it's not a traditional because it's not a traditional RPG. Exactly. So that you actually might enjoy this more than me because it definitely doesn't do things like a traditional RPG would. But at the same time, 
this game is baked in 90s nostalgia and it's baked in 90s pop culture, which I think you're going to have a much more a much bigger appreciation for than I do. I mean, obviously, we both know everyone knows if they listen to our content, you and I are both big pop culture fans from the 80s and 90s. But arguably, you are a much bigger pop culture fan than I am. And you your sense of knowledge with that kind of stuff is more vast than mine. It, it, I, I call it stupid Jeopardy knowledge. Like I, I absorbed everything from the 80s and 90s. Yeah, so you're going gonna... to. I stopped somewhere in the aughts of absorbing <laughs> any knowledge. Which I hate that term, aughts. Like, I, whoever thought of that? I don't know. Uh, who knows? It's, they ought it's... to thought of something better. <laughs> but I'm keeping it going. You're on a roll, yeah. Uh, no, though, I, I just think that someone like yourself that does have a lot of this pop culture knowledge and appreciation for that culture back then from the from the early to mid 90s may get a lot more appreciation out of this game than I am. Now, it is very earthboundy, which is a good thing. Like, it's very earthboundy. Earthboundy is not a word, but it's very much inspired by earthbound and earthbound ness. Earthbound ness. Because <laughs> ness is the main character. There you go. <laughs> uh, I'm going to keep playing it. I'm maybe seven hours in. From what I understand, the game is about 25 to 30 hours long. So it is a decent length of a game for like a for like a mid tier RPG. Obviously, this is just initial first impressions based off of a couple hours of the gameplay. Things could get better. Things could get worse. I have no idea. So I wanted to finish this game this week. This was all my goals from the Hunter game challenge to actually finish it and, you know, move on and put the review out. I wanted to have the review up by Friday, but because we're recording on Friday, I had to prep things and get ready. So I pretty much am losing a day this week, which is fine. I'm going to gain a day next week. So I'm hopefully going to finish even more games next week than I did this week. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. But I, I definitely will have the review up for Y2K next week or when you're listening to this this week, because it's going to come out the same week that the review should post. Um, pretty I'll much. Hold off, I'll hold off on Yeek. Yeah, hold off, hold off for a little bit just to see. And obviously you can see what my final thoughts are, but, you know, maybe look at a couple other reviews as well and see if anything else is kind of aligned because I haven't looked at reviews I think, yet. I think the word of Brian is good enough for me. Well, it yeah, usually is, but I just think that um, I, I usually try to <laughs> I usually try to avoid looking at other people's opinions and official reviews from other publications until I formulate my own thoughts because I don't want to be, you know, influenced by somebody else's thoughts. So. We'll see how that goes next. This week actually should be a pretty busy week for reviews. I'm hoping to get several text reviews up on the website and then maybe even three video reviews this week, depending on how things go. Uh, it should be exciting and it should be busy. Well, now we'll go ahead and jump into tasty treats. We're going to quickly talk about some other games we played. Uh, did, did you even t- play or, or literally I did, a no, smash? Actually, I did, no, no, I, I did touch other games, but nothing that was worth talking about. But I figured I'd say for tasty treat. OK, go ahead. I have a game I can scratch off my hundred game challenge. I totally beat Tetris Effect. Am I totally you? beat? I don't, I don't just mean the story mode. That's so I beat story mode. But that would count. Mode. But that would count if you did just Which beat story mode. It, that would count. But, 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 but it wasn't personally my white feet. For me, it was I beat every mode on the hardest level. So every okay. every sub mode on the on the hardest difficulty. So I can officially scratch Tetris wow. Effect off the list. I am amazing at Tetris. There's a couple of those things that made me cry. You mean like cry because of how difficult they were? Yes, like flip the board upside down and give me pieces that are like disjointed and then gigantic. <laughs> like, give me a chance. Let me live. Let me breathe. Sure. OK, cool. Did you play anything else? That is absolutely everything I played. It was uh, just Tetris Effect and Smash Brothers. But like I said, I scratched a game off. I wanted to beat a game. 
this week because I knew that I probably wouldn't have had much time to play games. Yeah, well, because you're doing half. Yeah, you're doing like the 50 game well, challenge or whatever. No, I could because, uh, you know, I don't get too much into it, but my back was in really bad shape. So I had medication and put me to sleep. So I was kind of out of commission most of this week, but I had to beat something. Right. Because I know you're at least trying to do 52 games this year. I know you're going to try to do more than that. I know. I know you're going to try to do more than that, but you're at least going to try to do 52 because uh, I'm doing yeah. the full hundred. You week, said you yeah. would do half. So, yeah, one a week basically is what you're aiming for. Just have uh, to catch up. We're three weeks and I got to catch up. Yeah, you're one behind, but I think you should be able to finish another one here shortly. Uh, I guess I'll go ahead. I have been playing some more Tales of Berseria. I haven't even started Tales of Vesperia, the definitive edition yet. Uh, I wasn't aware of how much content I left unfinished with Tales of Berseria. I was fairly close. I still had maybe a chapter and a half left in terms of main story to go. Uh, when I stopped playing the game and brought the review, you know, last year in 2017, I am now I could technically go on and finish the game if I wanted to. But there's still so many side things that I'm working on. I probably put an additional 25 hours in Tales of Berseria on top oh, of wow. where I was at before. And I probably you still can. Yeah. And I could probably still put an extra five to ten in based off the other side stuff I need to go. I wanted to get it done for this week and, and cross it off the list. I didn't, obviously, because of how we are recording shows this week. Normally, I'd be playing it right now and finishing it tonight. That would have been the goal. Uh, didn't happen, though. So I'm going to save that for next week. So I should hopefully be finishing Tales of Bursaria next week. But I did finish Fane. So I am currently up to five games for the 100 game challenge in 2019. I am actually now one game behind because my yeah, you're, you're, we're, we're, we're even paced. Yeah, for, because for me, I have to finish two games a week. You're just one game a week. So, yeah, we are evenly paced. Uh, we are both one game behind. I had planned on finishing Y2K this week. Like I said, I just had a lot of other things come in, got kind of backtracked and busy and sidetracked. So I didn't actually get to my sixth game for, for the year so far. But my goals for this coming up week, so the week we're on now, I want to finish Tales of Bursaria and I want to finish Y2K, a postmodern RPG. But I also want to finish Hitman 2 because I'm relatively close to that. So I think I can kind of get one step ahead of the game by finishing that and maybe putting like three or four hours into it. And I want to finish and get the review up for Ace Combat 7 Skies Unknown. So my goal is to finish four games this particular week and get to nine games total, which would put me one ahead of where I should be. So that's my goal. Nice. That's my goal. You better hurry up because um, Kingdom Hearts is coming out very soon. Which is why I'm trying to get ahead. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Resident Evil also at the end of this week, which I'm definitely yes. picking up. So I'm right now I'm trying to get as much as I can. But really, my goal is to play through and finish Resident Evil 2 the week this weekend because Kingdom Hearts is on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. We know we have some time sinking games that are going to definitely. Absolutely. So. You know, the more the more weeks that I can finish three or four games, the better, because there's going to be some weeks where I finish one or God forbid zero, because, you know, these games are 80 to 90 hours long sometimes. So we'll have to see. But yeah, Kingdom Hearts three definitely is going to be a big time sink coming up here soon. But that noise right there, that means it's time for the weekly scoop news report. And we have some interesting things to talk about this week. I think we're going to have some heavy hitters. I really wish Sean was here because I really think he would have some insightful information to drop on some of these topics. Cause I know he feels strongly on, on a few of these things, but I know you do too. So I, we're, we're yeah. still going to have some good discussions here and we're going to kick things off with a big one. Bloomberg is reporting that Activision Blizzard CFO Dennis Durkin will receive awards worth $15 million us dollars as part of his appointment to chief financial officer. 11.3 million of that will be in the form of restricted stock 
3.75 million is a sign-on bonus, which God forbid you get that big of a sign-on bonus. That's incredible. That'd be great. <laughs> Never have to work again at 3.75 million. Just take my sign-on bonus and run. 1.35 million. Oh, the whole part of the sign-on bonus is so you can't run. <laughs> I know. 1.35 million is a target bonus, which I'm not sure what that means. And his base salary is $900,000 a year. Jason Schreier from Kotaku also reported on this and added to it, stating that this is in the face of Activision and other companies like EA and several other places telling their own employees, including people at both Activision and Blizzard, to cut costs all throughout 2018 or face being laid off. This is absolutely shitty. Like, I absolutely I, I, I dug a lot into this and I was seeing a lot of people and one of the biggest things that I saw in the face of this is can this actually now push and be a huge argument for unionization in the gaming industry? How do you feel on these gaming publishers and developers, like not necessarily the studios themselves, but how do you feel on the people that work at these studios, maybe joining a union and forming their own union, kind of like um, the Screen Actors Guild, where a lot of these voice talents work and how they went on strike for a while. That was the first thing that went through my head because they are working in a artistic medium. Right. You know, th- th- these guys are writers and sometimes actors. Uh, you know, th- they're creating... voice actors sometimes. Yeah. yeah I mean, I mean, like, they're creating art. I mean, sometimes they're, they're motion capture actors, you know, they, all, all these things. It's obscene that your CFO is making a little over $400 an hour. <laughs> Quick math. Yeah. <laughs> Four dollars uh, an hour. That's absurd. base pay. I'm, 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 not, I'm, not, I'm not even counting the, the bonuses. Yeah. Uh, the target bonus. The target bonus. I'm assuming if you'll get an extra 1.35 million, if he like meets like a certain goal. Yeah. So that's what I was assuming target means as well. Like if you if you hit your target goals or whatever, or the company, not even just you, but maybe just the company in general yeah. hits its target goals for the year, then you will get that 1.35 million. Which still, dude, I could live off 3.75 million for the rest of my life. Four hundred dollars an hour. Um, I would do just about anything. Well, just about. <laughs> I can hook you up with my buddy and uh, he'll, uh, hey, he'll put, tri- he'll put you, you through you the ringer. You can, tr- you can trick me out all over this town. <laughs> no, but no, seriously, man, like it's I don't know. Uh, I don't know the corporate structure. I don't know if that's a normal pay scale, but it's it's it obviously corp- insulting. It's insulting. To it's the insulting to the little guys. Because because the little guys are being told to scale back, right? You know they're gonna have to take pay cuts when some when someone is getting it, it, it's. And it I'm couldn't trying, have came. I'm, I'm trying not. I'm trying not to say bullshit, but it's bullshit. It could not have came at a worse time, because yeah. just last week we obviously talked about Bungie, Bungie splitting off from Activision, and and not even splitting off is not the right word to use because they weren't a part of Activision. They just had a partnership and an agreement that Bungie would get their games published by Activision. That was just a contract that they had. They were never actually like a studio owed by Activision. So they weren't didn't really split off like Blizzard would have to split off from Activision. But this just at a time where you have to maybe assume or wonder, did the folks at Bungie actually know what was going on or, you know, feel like this is they knew like something was just amiss or something because it came at such a weird time. Just last week, we're talking about them splitting off, which came as a shock to a lot of people. And now this week we have talks of the Activision 
Blizzard CFO just getting an insane, enormous amount of money. And yeah, you know, they were they were talking about, you know, Bungie being forced to scale back and, you know, specifically Blizzard. And Blizzard this is the, is worst the time biggest to scale company because this is the worst time for Blizzard to be scaling back because you're supposed to be working on my Diablo. You sons of bitches. Um, <laughs> they are working on Immortal, dude, because that's Activision said, wants that mobile I money. Said, I said my Diablo. Okay. Activision wants that that's, mobile that's, money. That's, that's your Diablo. <laughs> they want that mobile money, dude. So. You know, they had to scale back their team on Heroes of the Storm and pretty much take a ton of people off of it. So now that game is a shell of what it was and put them on other projects so that, you know, they can start pushing games out faster. So scale back or face layoffs, release games, make them make money or face layoffs. But no, we're we're going to have you make this money so that we can pay our executives, our high level employees, our top tier guys, our top guys, our revival, the Scott Dawson Dash Wilder, best of luck in all elite wrestling. But uh, yeah, we're, we're, you want to pay our top guys these enormous amounts of money. And I just don't think that's fair. So I do think this is an argument that should and will be used to push for unionization in the gaming industry. I don't think that's a bad thing. I know a lot of people have these negative aspects or negative connotations of an of a union. And I don't think that they are as negative as some people think that they are. They just push for equality and push for fairness for the employees. Which there are do some unions that are there's some unions that some, are some. over the top. But then again, you can't judge everything by the one. You know? Of course, of course. But I think that this could could lead to better standards for people that work at these studios, people that work at these publishers, maybe get them a higher base pay because they deserve it. You, you we go back to last year. Back in like August, September, when we started hearing about how the employees at Rockstar were putting in over 100 hours a week just to get Red Dead Redemption 2 done. 100 fucking hours a week. I don't even I the most I work in a week is like 70. And that's that's absurd to me. But those are like crunch time when I have, you know, a shit ton of reviews that I need to get done. And I'm just sitting here writing or, you know, sitting at my computer, just editing videos as a zombie. Like I'm I'm motionless and dead, but I'm we're still working. A week. Seven days a week. What is that? 14 hours a day for seven days a week. That's even more than that. Well, Something like I, that. It's, it's obscene. You can't do that. It's it's I, I get their passion, but come on. It's yeah, hour a week. 100 hours a week just pushing out and. Just to make sure that Red Dead Redemption 2 came out on time and was a good game. Just delay the game. No, I don't need to play it that much to put somebody's life and health in jeopardy. I do. I don't. <laughs> and I know you don't either. No one actually does. Look at your except own health. For, well, except for the new Diablo. Um, you guys can drop that afterwards. I don't care. You get that game to me now. <laughs> Uh, well, they may drop I, dead. I kid, I kid. No, no, seriously, don't drop dead. They may, Although, they may drop dead drop, because... Dropping dead and going to hell and being in Diablo, it's all tied together. They may drop dead just because of how much their CFO is currently making in the industry, so I don't know. But, yeah, just, yeah man, I'm, I'm just really hoping that this actually adds fuel to the fire to get some type of unionization going on here in the gaming industry, because it's not just speculation. I mean, Jason Schreier, the guys over at Kotaku, they're all talking about the unionization. People at IGN have been talking about it. GameSpot have been talking about it. Like, this is not something new. This is something that has been floating around for a while where people are speculating on there being some type of union formed in the gaming industry. So I think this will just be used to further fuel that. But I'm hoping this will also be used to maybe get Blizzard and Activision finally to separate and become separate companies once again, because 
Blizzard is just as we talked about last week. Uh, Blizzard is just in some serious trouble right now. Is the the more that they continue to stay under the Activision umbrella, the more trouble they're going to be in. I really do feel. And it, the news just keeps getting worse, man. According to Kotaku journalist Jason Schreier, who we just mentioned in the most previous thing we just talked about, EA has canceled its open world Star Wars game that EA Vancouver took over in 2017 when they shut they down the Orca. games. They killed Orca. This project, which was codenamed Orca, was very early in development, but would involve playing as a scoundrel or bounty hunter who could explore various open world planets and work with different factions across the Star Wars universe. When EA's top decision makers looked at their roadmap for the next few years, they decided that they needed something earlier than the planned release date for Orca, according to two people familiar with what happened. So they canceled Orca in favor of a smaller scale Star Wars project that's now aimed for much sooner, like releasing much sooner, likely late 2020 around the time of the next generation consoles uh, to EA's credit. Those people said the publisher did not lay anyone off as part of this transition. So that's good news there. But this news comes at a time of cost cutting across the industry, as we just talked about at major publishers, including both EA and Activision. And some at the studio also are hoping that Orca might be restarted after this new project is finished okay. in 2020 or 2021, whatever that may be. But I want to dive into this here for a few minutes and really talk about what the hell is EA doing with the Star Wars license? Because in one of my predictions for the, uh, you know, our gaming predictions last week on the Max Level podcast, and if you missed that, go download last week's episode, listen to our predictions for 2019, or you could check out the video version of it. It's up on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash level down games. You can watch the video. Even though it is a static image, you could still listen to the same audio there. It's the same thing, both places. But one of my predictions was that EA would continue to, you know, fumble the Star Wars IP and that sometime in 2019, Lucasfilm would pull the reins back and say, hey, EA, you guys suck. We're going to start letting other studios start making games at the same time under the Star Wars IP because... <laughs> one game every three years just for Star Wars is just absurd. We used to get so much mm -hmm. more... And such more, just look at the games we used to get before EA had their hands on this. We had KOTOR 1 and 2. We had, you know, uh, The Force Unleashed and all these great Star I love Wars. The Force Unleashed. It was good. We had Bound, the Jedi Bounty Hunter and all these different Star Wars games. And you look back at the Super Nintendo Star Wars games, which were really good. And, you know, Rogue Squadron, Rogue Leader, all these fantastic freaking Star Wars games. And now... Since EA had the license and have had it since 2013, we have Battlefront and Battlefront 2. And Respawn is working on a game, the Jedi Fallen Order, which is the only one that EA's put out thus far. And it's not even out yet, but it's the only one I'm remotely interested in. I don't care about Battlefront and Battlefront 2. That's not my cup of tea. I don't care about online multiplayer shooters. What Respawn is working on, the developers behind Titanfall 1 and 2, that's the Star Wars game I want to play because the single player story in Titanfall 2, even though Titanfall 1 didn't have a single player, but the single player campaign in Titanfall 2 is phenomenal and is one of the better first person shooter campaigns I've ever played. So if they take that mentality and they apply it to Star Wars, I don't know if Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order is going to be first person or third person. If it's first person shooter or an action game, I'm not sure, but I, I have full confidence that the game is going to be good. And that's the one I'm excited for. But there's so many other possibilities of Star Wars games, dude. On a serious note, I'm not going to make the THB Nordic joke this time. Um, who do you think should pick up the, the license for this? Or do you think they should just be licensed out to anyone? Willing I think to make it a should game? be licensed out piecemeal. 
I don't think anyone should own the IP for Star Wars. I think that if a studio has, like I said last week, if a studio has a pitch for a Star Wars game, they should be able to take that pitch to Lucasfilm and say, this is what I want to do. I want to make a, you know, I want to make something. I want to make an RPG in the Star Wars universe, kind of along the lines of like Knights of the Old Republic one or two. I want to make something focusing on this type of planet or these races with these individuals or this particular story arc of the Star Wars plot or universe. And I want to make an RPG on it or I want to see what another studio could do, like what Visceral Games is working on. Amy Henning, Uncharted style Star Wars. That game looked so good. I want to see what a studio could do in that aspect or maybe, you know, get any of these other types of games out there. I think they should be done piecemeal. So if a studio has a pitch for a Star Wars game, they could take it to Lucasfilm and actually say, hey, this is what I want to do. Ball is in your court. Do you want to grant us this, you know, this license to do it or or not? And then they could say yes or no. I don't think just having the IP locked to one company is doing them any favors, because as I just talked about in the last five years, we've literally had two, maybe three if I'm forgetting one, but I don't think I am. So I think maybe just two Star Wars games. And one of them was so bad and laughable with Battlefront 2's microtransactions and the way you had to unlock things. And it's just absurd, man. And I really just think that there could be so many good Star Wars games out there. You made a good point um, and about Battlefront 2. Uh, something almost happened that I wish would happen. It ties back into this. That was Disney stepped in. Disney stepped in and they's like, no, no microtransactions. You got to knock this up. And they were gone for a day or two. Right. And then they came back. They came back, but I really wish Disney would rein in and just take control. Like, like you said, Lucasfilm, it could be, Lucasfilm, it could be Disney themselves, but uh, you would think a major company like Disney, especially who's trying to launch their own Disney plus platform. Well, and not, it, not only that, but we, dude, we, we, isn't, isn't the star Wars land launching at Disney world or I'm sorry, Disney, Disneyland in California. They, yeah. Disneyland. Isn't that this year? I'm pretty sure it's this year. So, like, you would think they want to tighten this all up, you know? Yeah. Have anything that besmirches the name of Star Wars. Yeah. More so than these two new movies have. Um, well. I'm joking. I'm joking. They weren't terrible, but. I'm just being a jerk. <laughs> uh, um, but you would think that, like, with the launch of, yeah, the, the Star Wars area, which is a, one of the massive, you know, biggest expansions that, that Disney's ever done to one of their parks. They're doing it to the one in California. I wish I was still in Vegas. So I could go drive over there and see it. But. You know, they're doing this over in Disneyland and they're there. I believe there's a new movie coming out in 2019, right? For yes. Star Wars. So is it which one is it? This Is it uh, episode this be nine or eight or something? I don't even know. But uh, yeah, so you would think that they would want to have a game launching around the same time for cross promotional materials, cross marketing, all this kind of stuff. Try to get people to take a vacation to California and, and could check out Disneyland, but then, you know, buy a game on the PS4 or Xbox one and go see a movie in the movie theater, like all this different cross promotional stuff that they could be doing. So you would think that they would definitely want to get this under control. Uh, I dug a little bit and I found out that apparently the star Wars deal was done by Frank Gibbo at EA, who is no longer even at EA and the current executives have just been kind of stuck with this deal. So I'm not even sure that EA really wants the IP for star Wars. But if they're under contract and Lucasfilm doesn't want to pull back that contract, then they, they are kind of stuck with it for now. So I don't know. I'm not really sure what this is going to happen or what's going to happen in the future. But I really feel like as as they continue to screw it up, Lucasfilm is eventually going to have to step in because we need Star Wars games. We do like there has to be more than just what we had. So I don't know. 
our next news story here, the Elder Scrolls Online Elsewire expansion pack has been announced and will be released on May 20th for PC and June 4th for PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. The dragons have returned to Tamriel. Unleashed upon the world by the unwitting Abner Tharn and the Imperial Usurper Queen Euraxia, the great Kalagrantid and his followers hunt from the skies and threaten to burn down the ancestral home of the Khajiit. Elsewire is packed with new stories, adventures, and challenges, including a whole new zone to explore, which is Elsewire, an epic main story quest line that ties into the Season of the Dragon, a powerful new class, the Necromancer, a challenging new 12-player trial known as Sunspire, massive new world events, Dragon Attacks, which I'm assuming is what their name is, uh, a huge amount of unique delves, public dungeons, and standalone quests, a host of updates and quality of life improvements, uh, so it says here that previously you have been able to explore the province of Elswire and the Elder Scrolls Arena and its outer edges in the Elder Scrolls Online's regions of Reaper's March and Canarthi's Roost. But in this new adventure, you can fully experience the home of Tamriel's beloved cat people. In Elswire, you can traverse both fertile grasslands and scorching deserts, interact with moon sugar farmers and wandering nomads, or confront merciless imperial occupiers and roaming bandits. In this new chapter, you can truly delve and dive into the life, history, culture, and mythology of the Khajiit and their homeland. Of course, in addition to exploring this new zone, you'll also be called upon to defend the Khajiit people against a, a devastating new threat, dragons. However, in this chapter, you're no dragonborn, and you'll need to work with your fellow players and powerful allies in order to take these winged beasts down. Finally, Elsewire also introduces the highly anticipated Necromancer class to Elder Scrolls Online, with this dark, mysterious new class, you will be able to command the dead and cast powerful elemental spells to overcome your foes and bolster your defenses. With the Necromancer, death itself is a weapon. Frank, you said, I believe, the Khajiit. That's your favorite race in Elder Scrolls, right? They, they actually are one of my favorites. Um, they're just liars and thieves and just... Much like yourself. Real. Gypsies, tramps, and thieves. I heard it from the people. They call me gypsies, tramps, and thieves. No, I'm not thinking <laughs> sure of that. Uh... <laughs> Does this make you want to jump into the Elder Scrolls Online? Every expansion makes me want to jump into the Elder Scrolls Online. I just don't have the time to But I really, really, really am intrigued with this, man. They are a very interesting people. They are. They are. And it's an interesting game. Now, I now I do own up to the Somerset expansion for Online, uh, which is the most previous one. So, you know, it's the one right before Elsewire. I've just never really spent time in there because it's such a different type of an MMO than like World of Warcraft or Final Fantasy 14. I've never really just felt like I was at home in the Elder Scrolls Online. It just it was always off putting to me a little bit. But as you as you mentioned, every expansion really does also want to make me jump into the Elder Scrolls Online even more than I already have. So I don't know. We'll see. I'm really intrigued by the Necromancer class. Uh, I like Warlocks in Warcraft. I think it's one of the most fun classes to actually play. And that literally sounds like what this is going to be like in terms of what I've seen from like the gameplay of the Necromancers and Elder Scrolls Online. I think it'd be cool to play as a Warlock in that. So we'll see. I don't know. No, I, I, I dibble dabbled as a little bit of a Necromancer in Skyrim, being the, the world's greatest Dragonborn is. Well, um, I've already told you that you're definitely not the world's greatest Dragonborn. but I am. I don't know why you keep doubting my skills. Um, yeah, I don't know. I do think that uh, when this comes out, I probably will jump back into Lego Scrolls Online for a bit and see how this is. We'll see. Uh, the news that made me most excited this week, The Legend of Heroes <laughs> Trails of Cold Steel 3, we are not skipping this, has been announced for localization in North America and Europe on PlayStation 4. 
the interesting thing here is that Xseed Games is not handling the localization. And instead, the translation is being done by the team over at NAS America, who handled Ease 8 Lacrimosa of Donna for Nihon Falcom. Quote, nearly a year and a half has passed since the Erebonian Civil War, and much has changed since then. From the shifting stances of countries to the internal politics of the Empire, and even the life of Rein Schwarzer, the shadows of the past have given way to the embers of a new chapter. Now graduated from Thor's Military Academy, Reen has become an instructor at the Thor's Branch Campus, a newly opened academy that quickly finds itself thrust onto the national stage. It is here that he takes the lead of a brand new Class 7, and must guide a new generation of heroes into an unknown future. Though all is calm now, the nefarious Ouroboros organization continues to weave a dark plot that could engulf the entire continent in war, or perhaps something even more sinister. Trails of Cold Steel 3 invites players into a world full of intrigue and excitement that is years in the making. They will embark on a whirlwind tour through never-before-seen lands of the recently expanded Erebonian countryside and encounter fresh faces as well as old friends familiar to fans of the series. In true Trails fashion, the deep, engaging story pairs with an incredible cast of characters and a combat system refined over decades of innovative RPG worldbuilding. This renowned title has also now been developed natively for PlayStation 4 hardware, which is a series first. So just for a few minutes, I want to speculate on what's going on between Exceed NAS America and Nihon Falcom. And if we will ever see Exceed potentially ha handle anything for Falcom again. So the reason that I wanted to put off recording today a little bit be is because PAX South is currently going on down there in Texas. I think it's in San Antonio. Uh, they had a panel today. NAS America did a, lo a localization panel where they had some news on Trails of Cold Steel 3. So what we know right now is that several people from Exceed that worked previously on Trails of Cold Steel 1 and 2 and the previous entries like Trails in the Sky, Trails in the Sky 2nd Chapter, and Trails in the Sky the 3rd, all, some of those people are now at NAS America working on Trails of Cold Steel 3. So some of the staff that was responsible for the localization at Exceed are now over at NAS America. I don't know if they went there strictly because Trails is now at NAS America or if that is a big reason of why they got the contract. I'm not sure. But from what I understand... NS America has had the contract for Trails of Cold Steel 3 since October of 2017. So about a year and four months now is when they started working on it. Xseed is continuously, it seems like bleeding employees, like a couple people left in October of last year, a couple people left in the summer. Uh, I'm not sure what's going on, but I just I'm not sure if they have the resources really to handle the localization anymore. Uh, of such a big game, because this game has 2.2 million kanji characters, 1.1 million words. It's the biggest. It's 2.4 times the size of The Witcher 3 in terms of script. Like the, the game is massive. It's going to be about 150 hours from start to finish when you start playing the game. It's literally going to take almost 200 hours to beat this game. Uh, it's just absurd how how big this actually is. Um, So I think that NS America, which is a they are obviously relatively bigger than Xseed Games has more has a, a bigger. What do I want to say? They have more resources to handle the localization. They have the ability to, you know, pay a bigger team or pay for whatever. Like they have the ability to handle a localization, I think, not only faster, but. I want to say more efficiently, but at the same time, Xseed is pretty efficient as well. And what a lot of people are hung up on is the fact that Xseed usually puts out a fantastic localization but nas america they're hit or miss sometimes they're good localizations sometimes you could tell it was rushed and they're bad localizations so it really you really aren't sure what you're getting oh put out the last one then had to be corrected for cold steel 2 was that exceed 
Cold Steel 2 was fine. You're thinking of Ease 8, which was on AS America. I was thinking of Ease 8, which time, yeah, okay, so yeah. it was on AS. Yep. That's not good then. Well, if you remember, because the, when they put out the PC port, they had to take it back off sale. That's and right. That's right. They had, to, they had to fix the script and... Um, and, and, and and it is what it is. I mean, I didn't have nearly the amount of issues that people had with Trails of, um, I'm sorry, with Ease 8, La Carosa of Donna. I thought that was actually a fun localization. I thought it was cute. I thought it was interesting. Like, I, I didn't have any issues with it. Justin, who is a big fan of these games as well, Nihon Falcom's one of his studios, favorite studios. He had no issues with it. So I think a lot of these people are just up in arms for for no reason. But that's what I want to touch on here for a minute, because I've seen a lot of outcry and people just so pissed off that NS America is working on Trails of Cold Steel 3 because they wanted XE to do it. And, you know, they're writing off the game now, you know, just calling NS America and the people there, all these obscene names and things I don't even want to repeat because they are like in bad nature and bad taste. And, you know, they're they're getting nasty and they're getting violent and they're getting they're they're verbally harassing and abusing these people through like social media on Twitter, uh, Instagram, YouTube video comments. And I want to speak on that for a second, because unless you know how to talk Japanese, unless you know how to read kanji, unless you know how to read Japanese, unless you understand the Japanese language and its native tongue, like, you know, if you're fluent in Japanese, then import the game and play it, play it how it was meant to be played, play it with the script that Nihon Falcom actually implemented into the game in its entirety, do it. If you can read it, do it. But if you can't, like me and like Frank and like Justin, they're a good well, chunk of like Brian and Justin, a good a good chunk of these people that play these games that get localized and imported from Japan, you know, from studios like NAS America, Exceed, Axis, whoever's, you know, a Spike Chunsoft, whoever's actually handling the localization for these games. If they weren't around, there'd be no chance for you to play this game in English. No chance. So just be appreciative. You'd be, you'd be dealing with fan translations and well, like guidebooking it through. Exactly. And those aren't even fan translations take so long because the, now there are two other trails games in the franchise, uh, Azure and Zero, which were released on the PSP, which have never been released here. And now NS America is talking about bringing those over as well. But those do, those do have fan translations out, but it's taken them 10 plus years to do a fan translation because it's literally just one or two people working on it. That have, you know, jobs that they go to on a day to day basis, Monday through Friday, eight to five, whatever. They can't spend their Monday through Friday, eight to five working on a translation like people at these companies can that get paid to do that. It's not even simple translation. You can't just read something and then just go. What, you have to actually like reinterpret it because what a phrase in Japanese can translate back to English, but it may not mean the same thing. Right. There's inflection. There's, you have to give it context. You have to make it make sense to a, a North American or a European speaking audience. Like they have to figure out ways to make things like if they say something in Japan, find a food or, you know, a sport or a cultural difference that closely resembles what the intent was in, in the native Japanese tongue. So yeah, fan translations, when they do that, Fan translations often often just do it literally like fan translations oftentimes yeah. just don't make sense, but that's fine. I mean, you're still getting to play it, but whatever. But I think that there's too much entitlement out there right now in terms of people expecting a studio to work on something or expecting a studio. Hey, I make this. This studio has to do this or I'm not playing it. But then don't then don't fucking play it. And that's all. That's all I that's all I can say, because you're not entitled to one studio over another working on a game or localizing a game. Who chooses to or who Falcom chooses to partner with to bring their games over is out of our control, first of all. 
but just be appreciative that some studio is taking their time to localize this game in English for you to play and continue to enjoy. It doesn't matter if they make mistakes. People are human. We make mistakes. I make mistakes all the time. Everyone makes mistakes. It's the part of being human and what makes people human. The more mistakes you make, the more human you actually are. If you are, I am so human. I am more human than human. (laughs) If you're perfect, then you're an Android or a robot. Like no one's perfect. That's what I'm trying to get at. Nobody is perfect. People make mistakes. I watched the, the panel at PAX South on Twitch and the two people that they had up there on the stage that were talking about the localization when they got to trails of cold steel three, the girl in particular, she was so emotional and you have to assume that it's because of like the hate that's been poured towards NAS America and like all the, the names that they've been called and, you know, she, they're just sitting up there like she's talking like we're going to do our best. We're going to put, you know, everything we can into this. It's the biggest group we've ever done. And like it's that's just it's you have to lay off. I don't even know how else to say it, but like you just you have to give these people a break, man. You do because they're just people like everyone else. We're just people. We're just doing they're just doing a job like we're doing a job. Nobody here. owes you anything. Shut your damn mouth, you filthy jabronis. That's pretty much it. Yeah, that's pretty much it. But I just think that the. uh I, it's, it's, I'm trying not to get and yell and start cursing, but it's it, it, you shouldn't be treating people like that. Like you said, people are people, man. You don't they don't owe you anything whatsoever. Exactly. So, I mean, I just think we have to be appreciative that they are bringing the game over. Like, that's just that we're going to get to play the game in English without having to, you know, learn how to speak Japanese or play the game in Japanese and have like a translation off to the side. And OK, what did he just say? OK, well, so where am I at in the game? Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Next line. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And like literally turning a 150 hour game into 400 hours. Cause you had to keep stopping and reading a script that was translated by somebody else. So at least we're getting to play the game the way it was meant to be played. I don't know. Moving on. Cause I don't want to talk tomorrow on that. Uh, the last thing we were going to do on the weekly scoop news report is something we were actually planning on doing during flavor text on Thursday, but because it leaked early, we get to include it in the max level podcast. Developer Enway, Hasbro, and Lionsgate have announced Power Rangers Battle for the Grid, a new fighting game due out digitally for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch in April, followed by PC later in 2019. It will support English, German, French, and Spanish language options, and the game will be available in a $19.99 uh, Standard Edition package, as well as a $39.99 Collector's Edition that includes the Season 1 Pass, which itself includes three additional characters, their arcade mode story, and a new warrior skin and exclusive Lord Dracon Evo the second and Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Pink Ranger character skins. Power Rangers Battle for the Grid is a highly approachable fighting game for Power Rangers fans. A modern take on the 25 year franchise, the game showcases stunning graphics with vivid details. Pit current and classic Rangers and villains like never before in team battles. Test your skills online against friends and players from around the world for endless replayability. A streamlined combat system welcomes newcomers with simplified controls while maintaining depth for the most dedicated competitor to learn and master. So I want to pose a question to you. You are our resident fighting game franchise guy. You you pretty much play all the fighting games. Plus, I think it's safe to say you are a big fan of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. What do you think? Brian, I got three words for you. It's Morphin time. Did you actually uh, look at the game? I have not looked at this game yet. Uh, okay. I didn't even know this this was coming up. Sure. Uh, but I'm happy to hear about this because I love me some Power Rangers. And if you remember the, the fighting game Power Rangers on Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. It was good. It's one, it's one of my favorite Super Nintendo games. Yeah, it's it was good. Uh, my, only con- my only concern right now is the price point. 
1999, is this a budget title? Is this going to be just be, is this something that's just being crapped out quick? You know what? I think it's because it's a digital title. I don't see it as a console release. Well, it's a console release, but you mean a, a physical release? A physical, that's what I meant to say, it's a physical yeah. release. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you get, they, they get to save some money there. Maybe they're passing that along to us because the collector's edition is still another 20 bucks for a season pass. So Yeah, so that's about the, that's about the cost of a, of a season pass normally. I mean, you know, that's generally 20, 30 bucks was, is what we would see for a a season pass for, for much bigger which is, games. Which is, yeah, well, yeah, it's the same price you pay for a bigger game. So I'm wondering if maybe this is just the fact that because it's going digital only, we're incurring some benefit. Yeah. Um, now, Enway... The studio that is behind now Hasbro, I know Lionsgate, I know Lionsgate is the one that I think owns the the movie rates for Power Rangers. But Enway themselves, they are a developer and publisher of free to play mobile multiplayer games. So is <sighs> it is this going to be a glorified mobile game on consoles and PC? They would break my heart with that because the way they're explaining it, they're saying it's tag battles. Yeah. Or team battles. I love those kinds of games. You know, it's like Marvel versus Capcom or even Marvel cross Tekken. Right, right. So I think I, we have to be cautiously optimistic for this. But at the same time, just remember that it is a mobile studio kind of that's that's working on it. So it may it may be a glorified mobile title, but mobile games, they're not always bad. We've known this. We, and we say this a lot. We're not mobile gamers, but mobile games are not always terrible. So this could, even though it's from a mobile studio and it may have mobile elements to it, it could still be a good game worth 20 bucks because it is only 20 bucks. As you said, it is not necessarily a budget title, but digital only. So we'll have to see. We'll be keeping an eye on this and seeing exactly exactly how it goes. And it comes out in April, which is right around the same time as Mortal Kombat 11 and Days Gone. I think if it is April, they have to do early April for this. Like they can't go up. They can't go head to head with Mortal Kombat 11. That would be just shooting this game in the foot. Yeah. So if they're if they are going to release in April, this is this is definitely a first or second week of April release. So I'm sure that uh, sometime in the next few weeks, not few weeks, but next few months that uh, we'll see more on this. And hopefully you'll be able to check this out because I want to get your thoughts on it. I'm down for this, man. I I love Power Rangers. I'm glad they're doing something. And just, I'm hoping that it's not the new Power Rangers movie. It's more of the old money, more from Power Rangers. I'm fine with the mix of both, though. Go, go, Power Rangers! All right, let's do some release dates and adjustments. We have several things to talk about this week in this little area here. Record of a Garrus War Mariage, I believe is how you say that, is launching on February 1st for PC. Odalis The Dark Call is coming to Nintendo Switch on February 8th. PlayStation 4 and Xbox One versions will be arriving later this year, uh, in the springtime to be exact. Oniken Unstoppable Edition is coming to Nintendo Switch on February 8th. PS4, and just like last one, just like the one before it, PS4 and Xbox One later this spring. Uh, first person stealth game Intruders Hide and Seek is coming to PlayStation 4 on February 13th. The occupation has been delayed to March 5th. Our World is Ended will launch for PlayStation 4 and Nintendo Switch on March 26th. Xenon Racer launches on March 26th. I didn't get platforms for that one. Sorry. Uh, Fun Fun Animal Park is coming to North America on. Yeah, yeah, it's actually what that is, I think, in in Japan. Yeah, but, uh, that's coming to North America on March 28th to Nintendo Switch. Uh, 30 bucks. Jessica's excited for that one. Like, she definitely wants to play that one. So. It looks, it, I looked it up. It's a bunch of fun mini games. Yeah, it, it actually looks kind of interesting. So uh, Lapis X or I'm assuming it's Lapis Lapis Cross Labyrinth, as I'm assuming, because X is cross in Japan. So Lapis Cross Labyrinth will be launching on May 28th in North America for PlayStation 4 and Nintendo Switch. 
And Give me the best one here. The best to, one here. To the surprise, <laughs> to literally no one, because I've been saying this for the longest time now, Overkill's The Walking Dead has been delayed indefinitely to an unannounced date. It was supposed to come out in February. I think it was going to be like February 22nd or something. I think it was one of those games that was on the 22nd itself. I'm not sure. But uh, I know it was I know it was next month. But yeah, Overkill's The Walking Dead has been delayed indefinitely to an unannounced date, which I literally have been saying since we saw the game, like since we saw gameplay of the game. I I one of my predictions for. Was it Gamescom last year? I think it was Gamescom last year because at Gamescom, I think it was announced that the game was delayed on console. And I, I think one of the predictions for Gamescom, I think I said that the Overkill's The Walking Dead would be delayed indefinitely to a blank 2019 date. That's what I said. And then we found out at Gamescom that the console versions were getting delayed till February, but the PC version was still coming out in November. Now, the PC version still is on the market. You can still buy this game on PC, but they are having a hell of a time getting this to work on PC and X, on PS4 and Xbox One. So I stick by what I said. I don't think this game will ever release on home consoles. I think this game stays on PC. I don't think PS4 and Xbox One will ever see this game. And it really just was trailers. That's all this game was. It was awesome trailers, but the game just fucking sucked. That's 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 my opinion, and I'm sticking to it. But as always, those are still in the future. I think it's time to talk about the here and now for the new releases of the week. January 21st, 2019. We'll skip over today, Monday, January 21st, and we'll move on to tomorrow, Tuesday, January 22nd. We have a couple things coming out. Uh, the first one is coming to PC, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One. It is the DLC known as The Nightmare for Shadow of the Tomb Raider. This add-on will task players to explore Croft Manor in a harrowing trial unlike anything Lara has ever experienced before. Uh, super cool. If you didn't know, we were, dream. maybe, but if you didn't know, we were featured in the Shadow of the Tomb Raider trailer. We were. <laughs> Just kind of shout out to ourselves there. It was during the uh, the Game Awards that we were in that, so well done us. But uh, yeah, I'm still a big fan of Shadow of the Tomb Raider from last year. I haven't had a chance to play the first DLC yet, but I will. I don't have the season pass, but I will pick this up and uh, and play through all the DLC at some point in the future. Uh, particularly, I'm excited for this because we get to explore Croft Manor even more. So I don't know. The next game coming out tomorrow to PC is Sonar Beat. Sonar Beat is a musical rhythm arcade game with a twist. The notes follow a spiral structure, so the ones you miss will remain and will move forward towards your center. If they reach it, you're dead! You play through a radar interface using your sensor cone to detect enemies approaching the center. Gameplay randomness ensure... Gameplay randomness ensure that they won't always appear on the same point every time you play, so be careful. I'm not sure that that sentence makes sense, but whatever. You must destroy each enemy at the precise moment that your sensor gets in contact with it. If you fail, the enemy will come closer by and you, the enemy will come closer by and you will ultimately lose. It seems cool. It seems interesting. I like rhythm games. I like music yeah, games. That's like a pretty cool idea for a rhythm game. I like that if a note reaches my center, I die. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, the next game coming out tomorrow to PlayStation 4 and Xbox One is the Council Complete Edition. This includes all five episodes of the game. The council begins in 1793 with you taking the role of secret society member Louis de Richette after his invitation to a private island off the shores of England by the enigmatic Lord Mortimer. Joining you are a number of high profile guests, including Napoleon Bonaparte and president of the newly formed United States of America, Mr. George Washington. The strange nature of this private reception goes beyond just the prestigious guests. Richette's own mother has recently gone missing on the island, while each and every one of the colorful cast seems to have their own hidden agendas. 
over a dozen hours of investigation and intrigue choices that heavily impact the fate of your character. Man, I need to finish this game. Please, and stream it. I need to finish it. Well, I won't stream it, but I'll definitely record it. But uh, that begs the question, do we count episodic games? Do we count the episodes as individual games or do we count it once we finish the game itself? I don't think that they're individual games because I would, I would, you'd have to beat the whole game. Okay, so like... Just like uh, there was something upcoming as well that we can't say we beat yet. Well, mm-hmm. that's why I was asking specifically for this week because I know I'm going to play something this week, but I yeah. wasn't sure if that would actually count or if I'd have to wait till the whole thing is done later this year to I count would, it. I would assume we'd have to wait. Okay, uh, I, I'll, I'll go with that. We'll, unless, we'll, unless you want to go episodically, then I can add some more to my list as well. Yeah, we'll see. We'll probably just include it as full games, so we'll just be like a work in progress. Uh, the last game coming out tomorrow to the Nintendo Switch is The Raven Remastered. London, 1964. An ancient ruby is stolen from the British Museum. At the crime scene, a raven feather. Both the raven, nevermore. Is somebody trying to follow in the footsteps of the raven, the legendary wrestler thief? <laughs> no, the legendary master thief who disappeared years before. I was trying to be funny. Constable Anton Jacob Zellner, fine wrestler thief finds himself in the middle of the kind of murder mystery he so far only knew from reading his favorite crime novels nothing is what it seems everyone has something to hide and the raven is always one step ahead with that even flowed dt uh we actually talked about this i want to say last year because it came to ps4 and xbox yeah. one it seemed interesting but i don't think it's something i'll ever play i don't know uh we'll go on now and to wednesday january 23rd Coming to PC. Ooh, game's coming out on Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday, January 23rd. It is a rarity. Coming to PC at the gates. At the gates is an indie strategy game from John Schaefer, designer of Civilization V. You are a Dark Age Lord building a kingdom to replace the crumbling Roman Empire. Manage your clans, explore the landscape around you, harvest its resources, and build a mighty economic and military machine. I looked into this game a little bit. People are very excited about this because of the name behind it. John Schaefer, the dude from Civ V. So this game is pretty hype. Tim Schafer on there are even better. <laughs> a lot of people are hyped up on this, so we'll have to see if it ends up being good. We're now on Thursday, January 24th, which happens to be my birthday. Coming to PC, PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. Life is Strange Episode 2 rule. Uh, well, Life is Strange Season 2 Episode 2 rules. On the run from the police following a tragic incident in Seattle and the manifestation of a strange supernatural power, Sean and Daniel Diaz continue their journey into the winter months. As the two brothers struggle against the cold, Daniel gets increasingly ill. Sean decides that they must take the rip they must take the risk and make their way to their distant grandparents' house to recover and seek shelter. There, they encounter the next-door neighbor Chris Erickson, a young boy who believes he has the powers eerily similar to Daniel's, and they come face to face with a superhero alter ego. Oh, it's Captain Spirit! Okay. As Daniel and Chris are becoming fast friends, it's up to Sean to make sure Daniel follows a set of rules they agreed on for his power. Never in public. Never talk about it. Run from danger. Can Daniel successfully hide the truth from the people around them? And will the temptation to explore the immense power within him be too much? Or will he break the rules in a time of need? So now we are finding. Yeah, we're finding out how Captain and we already knew that the awesome adventures of Captain Spirit was like a prologue of sorts to Life Mm -hmm. is Strange 2 but we didn't know how they were going to tie together. So I guess we're going to find out exactly how they tie together, even more than what we just saw in the description with uh, episode two rules on Thursday, which happened to be the best day of the year because it's my birthday. I can uh, tell you that the next game, though, is one of the most hyped for so far. Really? It looks cool. Yeah. Did you actually look it up, like the screenshots and the art style? No, it, looks, actually, it looks really pretty. Uh, the one you're talking about coming to Nintendo Switch is My Memory of Us. 
The evil king plunders the city and his robot soldiers are everywhere. Citizens are segregated, forced to move out of their homes, and live in a place separated from the rest of the city. As usually during war, the tragedy affects everyone, even the smallest ones. Experience a story inspired by actual events from World War II from a, from a perspective of two children and help them survive the times of absolute terror. With pure evil lurking around every corner, their friendship won't be enough to stay alive. However, if they'll combine their skills and cooperate, they may stand a chance. Enter the world of exploration, stealth, and puzzles, narrated by a familiar voice of legendary Hollywood actor. Do we know who it is? I don't know. I, did, I didn't find that out, no. Okay. And take part in a gripping adventure that will make you think about your beloved ones. Uh, it's it's definitely going to be one of those games that tugs on the heartstrings. It's going to be a game that I actually want to play. And I'm glad you're excited for it, too. It looks like a black and white cuphead. It looks but, awesome. But it, it, like I said, it's a real story or mm -hmm. inspired by a real story. I can only imagine. Like, I'm so excited for this game. I, and it's my list right away. Nice. Yeah, it looks super cool. Uh, the last game coming out this week on Friday, January 25th to PC, PlayStation 4 and Xbox One is Resident Evil 2 Remake. The genre-defining masterpiece Resident Evil 2 returns, completely rebuilt from the ground up for a deeper narrative experience. Using Capcom's proprietary RE engine, Resident Evil 2 offers a fresh take on the classic survival horror saga with breathtakingly realistic visuals, heart-pounding immersive audio, a new over-the-shoulder camera, and modernized controls on top of gameplay modes from the original game. In Resident Evil 2, the classic action, tense exploration, and puzzle-solving gameplay that defined the Resident Evil series returns. Players join rookie police officer Leon Kennedy and college student Claire Redfield, who are thrust together by a disastrous outbreak in Raccoon City that transformed its population into deadly zombies. Both Leon and Claire have their own separate playable campaigns, allowing players to see the story from both characters' perspectives. The fate of these two fan-favorite characters is in players' hands as they work together to survive and get to the bottom of what is behind the terrifying attack on the city. Will they make it out alive? And what's super cool is that uh, they are changing a lot of the story as well for Resident Evil 2 Remake. Really? So, yeah, so uh, they're making it more streamlined. They've moved some things around. They've changed a few things in the narrative. So while it is largely the same game we've played before, at the same time, it's not the same game we've played before. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so that's actually really neat. Uh, pick of the week this week. What are you going to go with? Narrated by Sir Patrick Stewart. Is it really? Yes, it is. No I'm shit. I'm going my memory of us. Patrick Stewart. Okay. Very how cool. can I not? How can I not play a game narrated by my captain? Yeah, pretty freaking cool. Uh, captain America. Jean-Luc Picard. Captain America. I'd play a game narrated by Captain America. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm obviously going Resident Evil 2 Remake as my pick of the week of this week. Uh, it's the one I'm most excited about, even though I actually do think this is a pretty good week this week with uh, the DLC coming out for Shadow of the Tomb Raider. And then we have Life is Strange 2, Episode 2, My Memory of Us, and Resident Evil 2. Pretty strong week for uh, middle of January. I like it. Not, not bad. Not bad at all. Not bad at all. I wanna smash. I wanna smash. I want to smash. <laughs> Let's talk some Smash Brothers Ultimate. DLC. I've been waiting for this for what? Well over a month. Well, now? we decided to do this the second week of December, which was the week before yeah. you ended up going to Colorado for the holidays. And we've been sitting on this and just kind of biding our time and waiting for the right moment to do it. And I think this episode is the right moment to do it. So I'm going to preface what we're saying because I think it's necessary to preface what I'm saying. We picked these picks beginning of December. 
we literally picked these picks right after the Game Awards when Joker was announced for Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, Joker from Persona 5. We did these picks. So what I'm talking about here for the next several hours, I'm just kidding, for the next several minutes, Frank and I are going to dive into some speculation and predictions. Once again, we love doing predictions here on the Max Level Podcast, but we're going to try to figure out exactly who we think is coming for the rest of this fighter's pass for Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. There's four characters left. We know the first one. It's Joker from Super, uh, from Persona 5, which is most likely coming to the Nintendo Switch later this year as himself. But we're going to figure out exactly who we think else. There's four more is coming to Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. After we're done with that, we're going to speculate on a potential fighter's pass season two, because I do think that there will be some stuff for 2020 and Super Smash Brothers Ultimate as well. So we're going to speculate on that after we're done. But first, we're going to focus on season one of the Fighters Pass. And obviously, we're not going to talk about one character because Joker is already confirmed. But yes. we're going to try to figure out what did Reggie mean when he said all of these characters are going to be oh wow or oh my god moments like Joker was at the Game Awards. So we are allowed to cross over. We're allowed to have crossovers. There's nothing that's like we can have the same characters on our list. It doesn't matter. But I think and I do think we'll have some crossovers, but I, I guarantee we will. But I think we're going to have some pretty unique ones as well. I want to let you go first. Who do you think is going to be the second character released for the fighters pass? No, I didn't, he was. This is the first name to jump into my head, too. This, the, this one was blatantly obvious to me. Something that had to be big in Japan, at least to me, because we have, you know, that that seems to be what they do. They're, they're big Japan games. I'm going with Erdrick. From Dragon, from Dragon Quest. Dragon Quest 3? Yes. Okay. Now, that's why I wanted to preface it, because I, I had a feeling you were going to say that one. I did. And I wanted to preface it by saying when we made our picks and how long we've been doing this. Because actually, now, through data mining, we found out that he most likely is the Get second character. Get the hell character. out of here. I swear to God. No, I swear, yeah. So through, 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 through data mining, we have now found out that, for the most part, it is confirmed that the next character is going to be from Dragon Quest. Do they know who all the characters are? I, I, I don't want to be spoiled. It was just those two. So they fig- they figured out through data mining that there was some text in there that referenced Joker and there was some text in there that it did. Now, it, we don't know for sure, but all signs point to it because it references the hero. And in Dragon Quest, you normally are referenced as the hero. Yeah. And okay. the person that leaked Joker was going to be in the game also said that the next character, he didn't say who it was, but he said that the next character would be someone from Square Enix. So which would make sense to be right. kind of aligned with uh, Dragon Quest. I, actually, I honestly, the way I did my picks, really some of them was I had to dig like, what were the biggest games of all time that are missing? Mm-hmm. No, for, right. for, so sure. for cool. sure. That's cool. That's cool. I like that. Now that actually makes me feel better about myself. Yeah. So that that's super cool. But I'm going to go. So I'm going to go a complete different opposite direction. Uh, okay. I, I don't necessarily believe some of the leaks that we've seen. I don't believe everything that I that I see. So but I think there's a character that makes a total sense to put in Super Smash Brothers Ultimate based off of the popularity of this franchise and how popular it actually is on the Nintendo Switch. I think Minecraft Steve makes it in. He was one of my unofficial. So I have three backup unofficials. He's definitely there, and I like that pick a lot. Okay, I think Minecraft Steve, and I don't know if he'll be the second character. I don't, and, and I'm not actually, and I don't mean we have to predict this in in order of them coming out. No, but, of course. I, but, but I just mean I think Minecraft Steve will make it in at some point to Super Smash no, it's, it's, it's a damn good pick. I, I had him as one of my backups because I was like, again, what are the biggest games out there? And 
he he deserves to be in there and even have some of his skins, the female version or whoever her of name course, is. Of course, yeah. Completely. I mean, you could you could definitely because you know there's so many different color Colors variations and costume uh, uh, variations in, in Smash Brothers. Um, but I do want to focus on just the first season pass right now. So yeah, we're yeah. we're only talking about That's, characters yeah. we think are going to make it for just through the rest of 2019. On this one here, uh, I also say it comes with an Echo Fighter. Um, but I'm going for the most popular, most requested character of all time for Smash. And that's Goku. Okay. Echo Fighter Vegeta. Vegeta. Um, and I think this one is actually quite plausible because there's a good working relationship with Bandai Namco. Of course. So there is there is a chance. Obviously, Bandai Namco uh, releases a lot of games on the Switch, but they're also working on Metro Prime 4. So, yeah. so there is, it's, it's not even out of the scope of possibility. And once again, like Reggie says, an oh, my God moment. You know, it's right. OK, uh, my next character that I think will be included is a Square Enix character. So okay. there's, there's a possibility for that, but it doesn't fit the hero like moniker that they were doing before. I think to be from near automata will be included in Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Really? With a near automata port being announced for the Nintendo Switch at the same time. It's a big one. I mean, and I don't think that she was just introduced in Soul Calibur as well. That I was saying that would be a shocker. Yeah. She was just she was just announced for Soul Calibur as well. And I think she's already in Soul Calibur, but uh she she was uh and really is one of the more popular female characters created in, in quite some time. That's something I really didn't put too much thought into is we probably would need to get some female characters. I up actually in- put an equal mix of male female characters in my, in you're, my list. You're a smart guy. I, <laughs> I, I'm going a little out there, though. Okay. I say we get a hero, a hero claims a warrior's heart. Seriously? <laughs> I, do believe, I do believe that we get the Dragonborn. Because okay. Well, is it, it, else. it is on the Switch, too. So, I mean, it, it's not it's out awesome. of the realm of possibility. And, you know, like I said, it's there's a good working relationship with Bethesda. Um, I wanted to get a Bethesda rep in there, and that was the most plausible one to me. I disagree. I have a Bethesda pick. I'm going to go and put it in there now because I had a Bethesda pick for the for for the first season pass. But I disagree that the most plausible one is the Dragonborn. And you'll see why when I tell you this. My official Bethesda pick for the Fighters Pass season one Volt Boy. Yeah. Totally like fit, totally fits Smash Brothers more than the Dragonborn does. But he's not a real character is my problem, but I like that. But he <laughs> is, though. He, he, because, because he is in the mobile game. Yeah, um, and not only that, but, like, he's everywhere in the Fallout games. Like, he's a statue. Brian, and he's, Brian, I, like, I really like that, and it hurts me. It wounds me to, to think that the Bethesda pick would be him. You have to think that you, you look at Game & Watch. I, I could see Vault Boy being very much done like Game & Watch. In that style where... Because I thought about Dragonborn and like he would have like the Fusro does. Like he would have like a knockback attack. I'd be like, I'd be forward to... Like yeah. He has the sword. He has, so he, he would be, you know, varied. Yeah. But d- d- damn you, Brian. Damn you. I like that <laughs> a lot. I really, really do. Plus there's all different like, you know, there's like nuclear. There's all these different versions where you have powers and stuff. I like yeah. that a lot. Yeah. I think Vault Boy would be a fantastic addition to Smash Brothers. Ooh, damn. You, you wound me. Uh... All right. What's your last what's your last pick for season one of the fighters? My, my last my, my last season one. <sighs> Please make this happen. Banjo Kazooie. OK. Um, Very much, you know. 
one of the most requested of all time. Mm-hmm. One of those ones that we all want in there. Probably not going to happen, but God, I would love to think this happened. And it's again, it'd be an oh my God moment. That absolutely would be. Um, my last character for the first, you know, 2019 fighter pass is another female one that would actually be another holy shit moment. Even I would say, because I can't think of the last game from this character that was even on the switch or even on the Nintendo platform, Laura Croft. I would absolutely 100% love that. Especially if it's modern Lara Croft. It would have to be modern Lara Croft. But, but, with a skin of, with a skin of classic Lara Croft. Low low poly Lara Croft as a skin freaking make my day. Yep. And which is a, which is a costume in Shadow of the Tomb Raider. You can actually apply that to, as a costume and actually be low polygon Lara Croft in in Shadow of the Tomb Raider. But yeah, man, I, I just, I don't know. I thought about it. I was like, man, she really is the most iconic female character of all time absolutely in, in terms of video games i, I completely whiffed on picking female characters too which which sucks because <laughs> yeah yes yes if, honestly i i want her more than anything else we said so far yeah i think i think she would be cool are we of the agreements that waluigi is going to be given away for free at some point in 2019 Yes. Okay. So we're not including him at all. I, I no. have that. I have that on the list. So we have the we have the season one fighters past characters. I think Waluigi will be given away around the one year anniversary of Super Smash Bros. Like Ultimate for like a holiday gift or something. Like they're going to give him away yeah, for like, free. Like, like he'll, he'll be our Christmas present. Yeah, because people are going to be up in arms if they have to pay for Waluigi, like a character that we've always been wanting in there, much like Piranha Plant, which isn't a character we've been wanting, but they're giving away Piranha Plant for free for registering the game by January 31st. If you've done that yet, go make sure you do that. You still have a couple weeks to do that. But I think Waluigi is given away at some point, anniversary present, Christmas present, something in 2019 for Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. But what I think is more exciting here is the potential for a season two of the Fighters Pass, which would which could come in 2020. And I want to speculate in who we think would be included as five additional characters for season two of the Fighters Pass. Who you got for number one? I'm, I don't know the character's name exactly, so you can correct me if you know it. But I want to go with the Monster Hunter. I don't think there is a particular name. I think it is just called Monster Hunter. Yeah, or I think that, Hunter? I, yeah. Well, I think it would be Monster Hunter. It would just be just with me. Just okay, but, for, you, but, you, but you know what I'm talking about. But, but yeah, the, yeah, absolutely. Like the just the the generic Monster Hunter type of a character. We, we, we have the we have a boss for Monster Hunter already in the game. We do. Uh, uh, so again, it wasn't too far out of their own possibility. It's a big game, so definitely something you know you'd want to check out. I actually thought of that one, too, but I didn't actually I didn't jot that one down. So I'm glad you still have it in there. But I but I did think that one that did cross my mind. Uh, my first pick for season two is Banjo-Kazooie like that. I actually have that for season two. OK, so I don't think that uh, I don't think that they make it in season one, but I think that something is being in the and it is in the works and that they can finalize it by the time season two comes out next year. All right, uh, then my second pick, because we only have one representative from the series in the game as a f- playable character. Proto Man from the Ooh, Mega Man series. OK, I like that. I like that um, a lot. I, I, I kind of wanted to do like a combination of the robot masters almost in this in the style of uh, how Bowser Jr. has all the Koopa kids. But I thought that'd be too varied for them to pull off. Like you would have to program a different power for each one of them. So I had to go with someone who would be able to stand alone as he is. So Proto Man half thought about putting X in there, but 
Can I just say how freaking cool it is that Bowser Jr. literally can be all about like the Koopa kids as well? I think it's great. I mean, I wish that I could actually separate them to be their own separate characters on the screen. Just so me, me too. I actually I, I, I've been playing as Iggy a lot and I actually think that he's really good and they they, they are slightly different. Of course. They like, yeah, they, they they play slightly different than, than each other. So uh, I, I was playing as Iggy and I'm like, man, this this character is actually pretty powerful. So um, the next character that I'm going to include is another female. And it's actually the last female that I have. Uh, Catalina from Grand Blue Fantasy. I think has a strong chance of making it because this game is massive over in Japan. So if they wanted another female strong character, like a female lead strong character to put in there, it would have to be Catalina from Ground Blue Fantasy. The only other one I could think of. Plus, I think the new game is coming to the Switch when it releases later this year or next year. So it would make sense. I'm so iffy about this one. But again, I'm going for big, big names. Rayman. Okay. Okay. I think it could uh, happen. I think it could happen. It's there's been a lot of speculation on it, but I think it could happen. I don't know how they make that amiibo with <laughs> floating pieces. <laughs> I don't know. Well, they'd have to do it like with like the little like clear plastic connectors. I hope they don't use the the yellow one that they used to make it look like Link was pissing himself. I hope they don't do that yeah. one ever again. Um, yeah. My third pick for this is one that. Man, I'm just not convinced on. I'm just not sure. But I think it's the only character from a fighting series we don't have. Sub-Zero from Mortal Kombat. You know, I, I crapped all over you when you told me because that's one you were thinking about mm-hmm. when we first did this. And I was like, it's not going to happen when we have Street Fighter characters in this mm-hmm. game. Uh, with that being said, I took Scorpion as my... <laughs> <laughs> so you have Scorpion as your number four? I do have Scorpio as my number four pick. <laughs> okay. Um, because I do kind of agree with you that Mortal Kombat is a juggernaut that needs to be represented in this game. Agreed. Agreed. Now, I think Scorpion is much more violent than Sub-Zero, so I think they would probably go the realm of Sub-Zero over Scorpion. But you have to understand that the flagship character... Of, is Scorpion. Yeah. Is, is Scorpion. Honestly, let's be honest with ourselves, they're probably going to release... The whole shebang if they were to do that like they'd have like color swaps oh okay so like uh scorpion sub-zero reptile smoke rain, rain. smoke ermac yeah even though ermac doesn't look like that anymore but you know what i mean yeah or do they just go the easy route and put sonya blade in there instead nah my last official prediction is one that i that i predicted when i when we were talking about the um the our, our initial predictions before smash ultimate even got announced uh, Crash Bandicoot, I still think, really needs to make it into this game. I don't see it happening, but I would love to see it happen. That's my that's my last official prediction for season two's Fighter Pass. Uh, I actually have two unofficials, but who are who is your I unofficial? Four, I, actually, I have, I have four more. Ready? <laughs> Jesus, we we're not doing a I'm season sorry. three. <laughs> um, again, these ones are out there. Well, well, two of them are out there. Sora. Okay. Mars, which could happen. Probably not, but it could happen. Um, Dixie Kong. Okay. Um, Dr. Eggman. And maybe Batman. 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 Batman should, Batman should have been included in one of the officials. Batman, Batman is a strong character. I like Batman. I I, he fits well, you know, and plus, you know, they can do a cool little story uh, is the reason I picked it was Batman versus Joker. I mean, it's not the same Joker. Oh, dude! It's, but, dude! 
That would be cool. <laughs> because, because, because as you see, like they, they get really creative with the story mode. Yeah. Uh, and, like the, uh, and, and then the, the single player one, the, the classic modes. So Batman Joker, that's where it came up with that one. But he's a great character. He's iconic. Please don't put Superman in the game. Uh, no, put Superman in the game and let one of his things have to be that he has to fly through some rings. Uh, the two characters that I didn't include in the official that I did write down, uh, Leon Kennedy from Resident Evil, I think has a decent amount, a decent chance to make it as one of the characters and uh, Sephiroth from Final Fantasy VII. But I like that, man. That, that that That's some strong characters we came up with. And I do think that out of everybody that we said amongst season one and season two, I think we definitely hit some of the ones that are going to be in there, if not all of them. But I definitely hit, I definitely feel like we hit at least 70% of the new characters we're going to see in Smash Brothers from there's now. There's going to be another Pokemon until, just you wait and say. <laughs> probably. There probably will be. Just like I'm sure there's going to be another Fire Emblem character. But I do think that a majority... Are there more left? I mean, how many more characters can you... There's a new game coming out in two months. Son of a... Bitch. Three houses. <laughs> that game literally comes out on the Switch in like March or April. I think that based off of everything we just said and all the characters we just mentioned, we probably have a good chance of getting at least half, maybe even close to 75% of those characters to be legit. I don't know. We'll see. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. You know what that music means, Frank? You know what it's time for? Oh, yeah. It's time for a little kickstart my heart. And I'm ready for you to pledge. I have a peaceful RPG for you. I have a peaceful RPG where the world has already been saved. Now it's time to rebuild your town along with the hearts of those around you. And a little game known. Now let's see what I did there. And a little game known as Little Wood, the hero who saved the world. You defeated the Dark Wizard. The world of Solemn is finally at peace. But at what cost? You can't quite remember. Explore the vast world of Solemn. Enchanted forests, bustling fishing towns, and dark mining caves are some of the new, uh, some of the few places to visit. Meet townsfolk and convince them to stay in your town. Perhaps meeting people will unlock your memories of the past. Collect rare items and materials found across the world and bring them back to your town for selling and crafting. You can customize your town. Littlewood starts off as a jumble of as a jumble as a jumble of trees, rocks, and weeds. You'll need to unlock new tools to harvest these materials for building and upgrading your town. Harvest materials by chopping wood, mining ore, catching bugs, and fishing in rivers and ponds. Unlock new structures to build by meeting new townsfolk. Want a tavern or a lumber mill? How about a fishing hut or a magical library? Your town's design is all up to you. Fulfill your townsfolk's requests. Some may want to live on a higher elevation. Others may want to be surrounded by trees and water. Fulfilling the requests of your townsfolk will earn you their, their hearts and unlock new relationship paths. You can master new hobbies and crafts, become an expert fisherman, cook delicious food for your townsfolk, craft a golden axe and cut down every tree. You decide what each day holds. There's several things like gathering, mining, woodcutting, bug catching, fishing, farming, cooking, crafting, merchanting, and tarot master, which is interesting. Uh, make new friends. Once you convince a traveler to stay in your town, they become a townsfolk. What does this sound like to you? You'll talk, hang out, and build long lasting relationships. What does this sound like to you? Oh yeah. Uh, we're, we're crossing into some pretty good uh, game here. Cro crossing into some animal territory, maybe? But uh, Willow is a cheery young girl who wants to rebuild Littlewood. Dalton is a disty boy who loves going on adventures with you. Lilith is a wizard who graduated at the top of her class. And many more. The influences... This is where... This is my favorite part. The influences of the game! First influence is Animal Crossing. Anyone who's ever played Animal Crossing will tell you how relaxing and fun it is. I wanted to... They, the team wanted to capture the satisfaction of customizing your home... Hanging out with quirky townsfolk and taking it easy by doing whatever you want day to day. Are you looking at the section right here, Frank? You see what that I second game? Do you see that the second game right there is? The second yes. major influence for them 
is fucking Dark Cloud. This is one of the, they, the team said this is one of their favorite PS2 RPGs. The town building mechanics were top notch, which have certainly influenced Little Woods Townfolk request system. And thank you so much for that, because that is my You're favorite kidding. aspect. You're of, getting all the stars. Oh, 100%, dude. But that is my favorite aspect of any game that's been done. Like what level five did with Dark Cloud and Dark Clouds 2 town building system still to this day. One of my favorite aspects in any game ever made. Uh, it says here that the townsfolk will often request that their houses have specific furniture to be placed on a certain elevation or be near or far away from certain structures in your town. It ends up feeling like a unique puzzle mechanic, encouraging players to build their town in a way that satisfies everyone. Oh, yes. Thank you, Jesus. And the last influence is RuneScape, but who cares about that? Uh, stretch folks, stretch folks, stretch goals. Man, I can't even talk because I'm so excited. Uh, at two, <laughs> Is that right? At $2,000? So this game was only looking for fifteen hundred dollars. What? So the the initial goal oh, no, of this game, oh, yeah, it, we made it. <laughs> well, yeah, the initial goal of this game was fifteen hundred dollars. They are currently sitting at twelve point five thousand dollars. So more than eight times the oh, seven times the amount that they were looking for or something like that. I don't even know. With still twenty six days to go. I mean, this game is gonna freaking crush it. But uh, stretch goals we've already hit. Uh, new Townsfolk Zana, new area of the Grand Library, new structure of the card shop, new Townsfolk Toby, new area Port City DeLuca, new Townsfolk Maximilian, and then at 15,000, we're going to get our next stretch goal. Um, Probably a new structure again. Do we have platforms? Does it say? Even if it's just PC, I don't give a shit, but does it say? I didn't see it anywhere, but. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't think it says. Let me look at the FAQ I, real yeah, quick. Yeah. Is, it, is it just Steam? What platforms a little would be on? If Littlewood is funded, then it will be on Steam supporting PC, Mac, and Linux. And that after that, hopefully he can he wants to launch it on console. This is just one team, dude. This is one dude. This is one guy. Sean Young. My God, you're awesome, Sean Young. Because he's the one that's making this. Uh, and it says here that uh, he is looking to have this done like March. March or April. I don't buy that. I don't believe it. I think it's going to take him just a little bit longer to. It could be pretty much done. I mean, you just add a few more assets in. Um, I'm, I believe in him because I am actually pledged already. Well, then uh, how? What? What gold did you jump in at? It, it, it's fun in two hours, dude. They fun. He funded this game in two hours. That's that's fantastic. Yeah. Anyway, what were you saying? I jumped in the fifteen dollar level, so I'm gonna okay. get a, a digital copy of the game and my name forever in the credits as level nine games. Nice, nice, nice. Yep. And it's and like it says there, it's time to rebuild your town. Yeah, dude. I'm jumping into this as well. This is a game that I've. I, I need to play, man. You don't understand how bad I need to play this game. <laughs> you don't understand how bad I need to play this game with influences of Animal Crossing and, and, and Dark Cloud. Two of my favorite games of all time. You, you told me you had something good for me. You weren't kidding. Yeah, I told you before we started recording that when I found this, I was like, dude, I have something that you're going to pledge to instantly. And, and I, I knew I was right because I'm pretty much pledging to it. I had actually I have it saved. I just need to actually put my card in so I can pledge to it. So well, we're going to play. Hopefully, hopefully we can visit each other's town. Ooh. Does it, 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 I saw in the FAQ, it says here, will there be multiplayer? Currently, there are no plans for currently there are only plans for single player. So I don't for now. for now, for now, for now. So maybe we'll get to in the future. I can come and see what a shitty job you do with your town. And then you can see what an awesome job I do with mine. I always put together a, a nice stately Wayne Manor. Speaking of that, dude, did you know that? And I told you this, but I forgot to mention it when we were talking about it earlier. My goddamn town and Y2K, a postmodern RPG, it's named Frankton. Well, Franken is just a small town in the entire country of Frankistan, so. Dude, it made me so mad because what, what is really cool about Y2K is that when you start it up, it asks for like people that it's you know. Ground. 
Yeah, it's like, you know, what is the name of a, a cool female, you know? And I said Jessica. And like, what is the name of a nerdy guy? And I said you. And like, you know, like a, one of your friends who does this, this, and this. And I said just. So I put you, Jessica, Justin, Sean, and my friend Dan as my options. So it just, and I didn't know what was going to apply to what. Like, I didn't know. But it's just funny that like answering for you, that made the name of my town Frankton. So I live in Frankton in Y2K. And it pisses me off that I live in Frankton because. It's the greatest city of all the cities. <laughs> but that is going to do it for this week, unless you have anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here. I think we said it all. All right. We want to thank you for sticking with us and listening to another episode of Max Level made possible by LevelDownGames.com. And thanks again to Dance with the Dead for all the awesome music. Regardless of the podcast service you're listening through, be sure to share your support by leaving a rating and a review, especially if you're listening through iTunes. We'd also be grateful if you could drop on over to YouTube.com forward slash Level Down Games and subscribe to our channel there if you haven't already. We can also be found over at twitch.tv slash Level Down Games if you want to follow us on there for our live streams and event coverage whenever we choose to do them. Stalking us on social media is perfectly acceptable. Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook will be the place to do that. Again, you can check the description box for the appropriate links. Until next week, keep gaining experience until you reach Max Level.